0: The following is a special sports presentation of UltimateSportsTalk.com. A swing and a pop-up. First base side foul ground playable. Santana makes the
1: catch. The Indians have won. The American League pennant.
0: UltimateSportsTalk.com now presents the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. A comprehensive look at the Cleveland Indians and Cincinnati Reds. For the seventh consecutive season we examine each team and their progress throughout the 2017 Major League Baseball season. And now, the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. I'm Dave Mitchell on UltimateSportsTalk.com. Glad to have you along here this evening as we kick back and talk about the Cleveland Indians and the Cincinnati Reds. And both teams, if you saw the publicity that we did on Facebook and Twitter earlier today, both teams are in the middle of streaks, but the Indians are in a positive streak. The Reds are in a bad streak. The Indians have won five straight, and it looks like they're going to win six in a row as they're up 7 nothing at Baltimore tonight in the fifth inning. Meanwhile, the Reds, they're looking like they may be able to break their nine-game losing streak Heading into tonight as they headed down to Tampa Bay, and they're taking on the Rays at Tropicana Field. Yesterday was Father's Day. Hope you had a good one around the listening area that we bring this show to you. And, of course, as we do every Monday night, we bring in our resident Reds expert, Mark Donahue. Mark, did you have an enjoyable Father's Day?
2: I certainly did. My son Matthew came up. Um, we had dinner yesterday and had a nice afternoon and a nice evening. So, I hope you yeah.
0: paid. I hope you paid, Mark.
2: <laughs> As a matter of fact, I did. <laughs> no, him. I I hope Matt no, paid. No, he didn't. No, I, I didn't let him, actually. <clears throat> but, Mark, um he would
1: anyway, have, nice have.
0: Do you have any good stories, of, you know, remembering back to your father and any baseball stories that, that you can relate here tonight in regards to your father and you in baseball? Um
2: uh, I've got one. My, my dad was not a baseball fan. In fact, he wasn't much of a sports fan. And I remember him coming to a game uh, when I was 15, playing in Babe Ruth League. And it was a big deal to me that he was there because he didn't—he worked a lot and didn't come to a lot of my games. And I remember I hit a home run uh, on that, in that that time, uh, my second at bat. I hit one to center field, hit it over center field fence. And I didn't hit a lot of home runs back then, so it was a big deal to me. And I remember coming around the bases and uh, seeing my dad there, and he was clapping and everything. And he made a comment after the game that I I didn't know how to take. He said, I didn't know you were pretty good. And it it stayed with me for a long time. I I could take some good and bad news out of that. But it it was uh, a memorable, because it was Father's Day, as a matter of fact. And we had spent the day together, and I happened to have a game that day. And uh, I, I do remember that. It's funny; I, I hadn't thought about it until you just asked me. You
0: know, it, uh, we grew up in an era, Mark, where our fathers did work a lot. And my dad, you know, worked in a factory for over fifty years. And but he tried to make as many ball games <clears throat> as he possibly could. I remember when one of my little league coaches said, "You ought to be a catcher." I came home and told him, and he immediately took me up to the sporting goods store and got me a catcher's mitt. And that was the beginning of the historic meteoric rise of my catching career, which lasted until my Pony League days when they moved me to right field. And that brings me to my story. I know that's a long way about it, but it brings me to my story. I was not a very good outfielder. I was a marginal catcher, but I was a tremendously, uh, how do I want to put it, uh, lack of talented outfielder. And there was a runner at second base, and I remember there was one out. And one one of the guys for Little Eden High School, Eden, Ohio, hit a fly ball out to me in right field. And it was one of those little Texas League bloopers right behind second base. I came running in, Mark, honest to God, I got my spikes caught in my shoestrings. And I fell face forward. And caught the ball. Everybody <laughs> thought I made a diving catch. And I threw to second and doubled up the guy at second base, and that was the end of the inning. Boy, I was a hero in that ball game. Got in the car after the game, and my dad looked at me and said, you tripped over your shoestrings, didn't you? <laughs> That's one of the one of the stories that I have about my dad and I during baseball days. But, uh, you know, did your dad have a favorite ball player at all,
2: Dave? We're having a little communication problem here. Can you ask me that again?
0: Did your dad have a favorite baseball player at all?
2: I'm sorry, Dave. We—I uh, may have to call you back on. I apologize to the people out there, but we got a bad connection, and I can't hear Dave, and I don't know if he can hear me.
0: I can hear you just fine, Mark. All right, we'll go forward. I know my father in in his days he had favorite ball players. And one of his favorite ball players was Rocky Calavito of the Cleveland Indians, of course, and I know one of the when when Rocky Calavito was traded to the Detroit Tigers, that was one of the bad days for him. He was not very happy about the loss of Rocky Calavito to the Detroit Tigers when they traded him for Harvey Keen. I think we've got Mark back Mark. can you hear me now
2: no dave i'm I'm sorry i can't uh, I hope uh... I hope we
0: can fix this. All right, we're just going to call it a, a night for Mark here tonight, and we'll go go forward with what's going on here this evening uh, on the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. Got to apologize for that. Um, I'm not sure what's happening on Mark's end, but we've got everything set up here uh, correctly. So hopefully we'll be able to get him back. But one of the things, you know, after Father's Day, one of the things that went on was the Pete Rose Weekend. And Pete Rose was inducted into the Major League, or I shouldn't say the Major League Baseball because that is an impossibility now for Pete. But what has happened is, is that the Cincinnati Reds inducted him into the Reds Hall of Fame, which is a very big deal. If you look at the, the statues that are out in front of Great American Ballpark, uh, they have got some outstanding players Ernie Lombardi, who, of course, was one of the great catchers of all time prior to Johnny Bench coming on the scene with the Cincinnati Reds. Then you've got Joe Morgan out front, Tony Perez. Now you've got Pete Rose. And and the statue of Rose, I actually thought when they brought in the statue of Pete Rose, it would be of his left-handed batting stance or him standing at first base holding up his batting helmet after he collected hit number 4192. But what ended up happening was, was that he just went in with the head first slide. And in watching some of the shows about how they made this bronze statue with Pete sliding head first into a base, they said they had to take steel rods and run them up through his hands, elbows, and arms into his chest in that bronze statue to hold him so that they didn't have to have a rod come up into his chest to hold the entire his entire body up as the statue. It's it's a very, very unique statue. You haven't seen one of them like it and basically what you've got is Pete going into the Reds Hall of Fame. Let's try this one more time with Mark and see if he can hear us. Mark?
1: Yes. Can you hear me okay?
0: Yes, we can hear you just fine. All right. So you're back on... We were talking about the Pete Rose induction into the Reds Hall of Fame and of course Saturday was sold out for the induction ceremonies and had an opportunity to see all the old favorites and, you know, all of them talked, Mark, about the one other one that should probably go into the Reds Hall of Fame is Davey Concepcion.
1: Well, I think he belongs in, not only the Reds Hall of Fame, I think he belongs in the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. If you can compare his numbers with a number of the shortstops that are in there, it's not even close. It really isn't close. Now, you could say that he, uh, you know, was not a major clog in the big red machine, but that shouldn't be that shouldn't be an issue. He was a nine-time All Star, led the league in um, fielding uh, a number of times. He, he he power, he hit for average, great defender, and compare him to Ozzy Smith and and um, Scooter or uh, Phil Rizzuto, the Scooter, and some other shortstops that are in there, and he I mean he, his his stats are better and uh, he was on two World Series championship teams, a uh, number of pennant winners. I don't know what else you can do. I mean, he, was, he and Ozzie Smith are clearly the best shortstops of their era. So I, I don't know what else you could do that, that to make yourself a Hall of Famer than, than David Concepcion did.
0: I think the problem with, with Concepcion is the fact that he played on a team with so many great players. He was overshadowed.
1: You may be absolutely right, and but if you if you look at what he did, how he held that team together defensively, uh, I mean, he patented the, the, you know that that throw, the one hop throw in the hole from, from shortstop. That, that Davey made that up, and uh, he started that when the Reds moved into Riverfront Stadium and that, that that AstroTurf. He started off; he was a very very weak hitter, but uh, he he made himself into a fine hitter. And, uh, had some power. And, uh, people forget that David Concepcion hit two red seed home runs at, at, uh, Riverfront Stadium. I mean, that's a shot out there. So he should, I think he should be definitely in in both Hall of Fames.
0: Yeah, when you look at this Reds team back with the big red machine and, and of course with Pete leading the way, he's the last one of technically what. Joe Morgan I'm going to give him credit he's the one that called them the big four and with Perez Morgan, Bench and Rose and it was really Morgan the way that they described it Mark that said that if they were going to put the four statues out there Major League Baseball was going to have to okay Pete being placed out there as a statue or the other three were not going to go up and baseball did
1: that's I didn't I didn't know that story. That's a very good story. Um, you know, the other thing we talked about a couple weeks ago with regarding to Pete. Don't forget the Philadelphia fans have voted him into their Hall of Fame. So that's two teams that have Pete Rose in their team Hall of Fames. Clearly, the fans want to see Pete Rose in the National Hall of Fame, uh, and I think it's just a travesty that that he's not in there. We've said this for years and years and years. But, uh, you know, it's, I heard Pete Saturday on, he was being interviewed by Marty Brennan uh, after the induction ceremony during the game. And, you know, he's, he's never changed. He's, he's, he's funny. Uh, he's disrespectful in a nice way. You know, he, he <laughs> just says what he wants to say. And they made an interesting point right, about unbreakable baseball records. For somebody to match, Pete Rose's record of forty-one, what is it, forty-one thirty-six or whatever it is, um, they would have to get two hundred hits a year for twenty years and then play another year. I mean, it's it's never going to be broken because nobody's going to play that long, I don't think.
2: Well, the and only one that's it, ever
1: comes
0: close—the only one that's ever come close to it—Mark Ichero.
1: Yeah, exactly right. And uh, you know, he, he's still a ways away. Uh, he's never going to make it uh, as he plays till he's 50. Even then, I doubt he'll make it. But uh, when you think about it, Pete Rose had uh, 10 seasons where he had over 200 hits a year. And uh, nine of those, I think, were with the Reds. And six in a row. I mean, it was unbelievable that the number of hits this guy would get. And he never he seldom struck out. And he, he, he's, I don't understand why he... I guess he isn't given more recognition, maybe because he's not in the Hall of Fame, maybe that's it. Uh, but he is his record speaks for himself, and he didn't do anything illegal when he was playing that we know about. It was all when he was a manager. But uh, it's it's really tragedy that you know. You know, I talked earlier about uh, you know Pete not getting in the Hall of Fame, and I hope he does it before he dies. I think was Pete seventy four years old there? Yeah, uh, I certainly hope he gets in before he dies.
0: You know, the one thing I absolutely abhor is hypocrisy in anything. And baseball really has proven throughout this entire Pete Rose debacle that they are as hypocritical as everyone else. You know, to allow Pete Rose to be placed in the Cincinnati Reds Hall of Fame to bring him out of mothballs every time they want to make a dime, to bring him out onto the field at San Francisco years ago for the top 100 ball players of all time and get the largest ovation of anybody there when he was brought out onto the field just proves to you how hypocritical baseball is because they will not take him off of this stupid suspension list and allow him to go into the Baseball Hall of Fame.
1: Yeah, it's it's beyond hypocritical. It's a tragedy in a lot of ways. It's Shakespearean almost in its tragedy. But uh, you know, Pete did what he did, and you know he shouldn't have done what he did. But you know, I think there has to be proportion in terms of of how you punish people. And uh, I I think it's way overboard now. It's almost thirty years that he's he's faced this, and uh, I don't understand why baseball can't be bigger than they are and let him at least have a couple of years of his life where he's in the Hall of Fame. And ironically, I bet when he dies, he'll get in, if they don't let him in before. Uh, so anyway, we, we've we've talked about this. We think they're wrong, we think we're right, but uh, we don't control that vote.
0: You know, I want to ask you one more question. I asked this on the night we were at the Montgomery Inn, but I didn't have the opportunity to ask you. Had Bart Giamatti not died... Would Pete Rose be in the Hall of Fame today?
1: Uh, I think, according to Pete, and I heard this directly from Pete's uh, his manager, um, his business manager, he had a, a gentleman's agreement with Bart Giamatti. That he was going to serve a year and then uh, try and get reinstated. That was the deal they had off the record. Now, of course, Giamatti died, and that made people you know, who didn't like Rose, not like him even more. So the the stress and all that stuff. But ironically, did you see who Trump hired uh, as his counsel? Jay Sekulow. John Dowd.
0: Oh, he added him onto
1: the... Yeah, yeah. So Pete was in, he was in the national headlines uh, this weekend because John Dowd was named as the one of the attorneys for, for Donald Trump and his, his problems, but uh, we won't talk politics here, but uh, his name hasn't been heard for a while. I guess he's a very successful attorney in other ways, but uh, he really hates Pete Rose and Pete Rose really hates him. But, you know, it's Pete's doing fine. He's making a lot of money. He's, he's doing Fox. If this, I guess is the only thing he doesn't get in his life, he's still one. So, um, I'm always going to be a fan of Pete Rose. I saw him, I, I saw Pete Rose play, I think, in his second game with the Reds when it came up. I think it was in 1963. And, um, he, Pete, the fans didn't like Pete Rose. His teammates didn't like Pete Rose. They thought he was a hot dog. And there was a second baseman on the Reds at the time named Dom Blasingame, uh, who everybody liked, including the players. And Pete made a very interesting comment, and I've heard this, and I heard it again Saturday, as a matter of fact. Uh, all of his teammates snubbed him when he came up. They thought he was a hot dog. He was going to take the position of a, of a, a veteran, Don Blasingame, who had a good year in '62. And the only two guys that befriended Pete and took them under uh, took him under their wing were Frank Robinson and Veda Pinson. And Pete <laughs> said he's never forgotten that. That those guys went out of their way. They would, you know, go out with him on the road to dinner and, and, you know, hang out with him when he stretched and, and in the clubhouse and all that stuff. The other players didn't for a long time. You know, Pete had to win him over, but uh, he, Pete said he's never forgotten, and, and he said Frank Robinson has always been his hero.
0: Veda Pinson is the first autograph I ever received from a ball player when he was in Cleveland.
1: You know, it, it's funny when you grow up, You, you I think you, you, as a fan you – you have these heroes in your in your head, and they and they're so strong when you're when you're growing up and Veda Pinson was one of my favorite players of all time, and he was a, a little younger than Frank Robinson and Frank Robinson took him under his wing as well but i think I think Veda came up in nineteen fifty nine so I was twelve years old and and I heard about this guy if people forget Veda Pinson... Ran to first base faster than anybody in the history of baseball, including Billy Hamilton. That's how fast he was, and he was a great center fielder. He had surprising power because he wasn't a big guy, although he was bigger than I thought he was when I met him. And I went down to Dream Week. Uh, I think was, this was eighty-seven and what, eighty-seven, eighty-eight. I think I went down, and Veda Pinson was there, and I got to you know be interviewed on radio and. and and Joe Knox was there and I got to, and Veda was being interviewed at the same time. And I got to, I got to have a couple of beers with him. I got to meet him. He was the nicest guy. If you ever, ever had a hero that disappointed you because you met him sometime and he was a jerk or, or whatever, well, this was the antithesis of that. Veda Pinson could not have been nicer. Smart, funny, good looking, great player. And I, was, and I remember getting up and making a speech down there about that, <clears throat> that it's so nice when your heroes turn out to be as good as you hope they are. And that's what Veda Pinson was to me. And, and I, when he died, it, it really bothered me when he died, because he seemed so young and vibrant when I saw him down there.
0: Mm-hmm. Mark, if, if Mike Schmidt, Johnny Bench, Joe Morgan, and Tony Perez all got together and formed a consortium to get Pete in the Hall of Fame. Could they make a dent in this problem?
1: From what I understand, that that has already happened. Uh, Those players have gone to the commissioner. They they, they went to uh, the previous commissioner and and made that pitch. In fact, there was more than that. There there was a number of guys. But the problem was there were an equal number of guys who uh, said no. They didn 't want him in, and that's too bad that I, I don 't understand how you can hold a grudge like that against a guy who has been blasted like Pete for so long. Uh, but uh, that, that's a good idea, but I, it, it's already been done to some degree, and I think it was a lot more than four players that did it.
0: What is wrong with Joe Morgan? I know he's got a lot of health problems, but you know just a couple of years ago, he was fine. But you know now, all of a sudden, boy, he has even problems just getting up out of a chair
1: yeah uh, that's that's right it's uh, It's sad to see, especially because you know he was the fastest guy in baseball for a long time, and uh, to see him barely be able to walk is it, very sad and uh, but you know when you when you played baseball at Astroturf for that many years, he played in the Houston Astrodome and in Cincinnati, where there's astro turf, and that's like playing on concrete. Mm-hmm. So those those guys pay the price.
0: Yeah, they they do. Do you remember this? Just came to my head. Do you remember who the backup shortstop was for Concepcion back in the Big Red Machine days? Daryl Cheney. Daryl Cheney. Good good comeback, Mark. All right, <laughs> let's talk about what's going on with the Reds and the Indians right now. First of all, the Indians are destroying Baltimore, ten to nothing. They're going to win this game. Corey Kluber's pitching for the Indians, and I'll tell you one thing. I never thought I would say this, Mark, but Corey Kluber has got to be one of the most underrated starting pitchers in baseball today. He barely gets a sniff when they talk about who the best pitchers in the game are today.
1: Yeah, he's – I tell you, I saw him a couple years ago down there when he was having a really good year. I think he won 22 games that year. Uh, His – I don't know how you hit him. (laughs) I mean – his breaking ball is so, it snaps so much. And he's got a great fastball, great location. And when he's on, he's one of those pitchers, if he's he's on his game, you got to tip your hat and, you know, you're going to do an over. Uh, so, yeah, I think he is underrated. But don't you think it's mainly because of the injuries?
0: Uh, well, he's only been, you know, not, he's only really been on the disabled list twice. Once was for his back. And another time he strained an oblique muscle, but he wasn't on the DL that long, not like uh, a lot of other pitchers. And that was a couple of years ago also when he, he won ended up winning the Cy Young Award. So, um, you know, I, I don't know. I look at Kluber and I see, I see a pitcher the ilk of, of a Greg Maddox. I mean, I know you, you relate a couple of pitchers to Greg Maddox. And, boy, when I look at Corey Kluber, I look at a pitcher that he knows exactly where he wants to put the ball. He knows exactly how to, how to pitch. He is a pitcher. He's not a thrower. He is a pitcher. He's, he's the antithesis of what Danny Salazar is, which Danny Salazar basically is a strikeout artist. And that's why the Indians have moved him to the bullpen to try to get him out of that situation. That plus the fact that Mike Clevenger has come up and really made a, a name for himself. On the Major League Baseball roster, he's he's been winning games and keeping the Indians. He's he's come up and he's really proven to be a Major League pitcher for this team. But Kluber tonight, I mean, he's on his game. He I don't think he's given up a hit as they go into the bottom of the sixth inning and the Indians lead at ten to nothing. But I'll tell you another thing too, Mark Terry Francona is not going to look at that one iota with a ten nothing lead. Kluber will go out there and throw until he's got his hundred pitches and then he'll turn it over to the bullpen. That's just the way Francona is.
1: Well, looking at the Reds, they're ahead three to nothing, so of course they'll lose. But, uh, <laughs> uh it's the seventh inning. Uh, David, this team is, is as bad now that I can remember it. Uh, this period they're going through, it, they're not just losing, they're getting crushed. And it, it's tough to, to watch when you're a fan, when the, the, the uh, opposition is, you know, seven, eight runs a game, they're, they're scoring at least. And then the Reds aren't hitting on top of top of it right now, so it, it's not a pretty scene right now. Uh, they they did put Bronson and Arroyo, thank God, on the DL today. Uh, that gives him a chance to do some rehab time and see if he could help this team at the end of the year. Uh, I, I think it was just ridiculous to bring him in as a starter for what did he start? 12, 10, 12 games this year for the Reds already. Has an ERA close to eight. Uh, he, he's just not. He's not majorly ready, and you can't necessarily blame a guy for putting his hand up and say, "Hey, put me in, coach." But it's the coach's decision to put him in, and that Brian Price, as far as I'm concerned, this was the worst decision he has made since he's been a manager to keep throwing him out there when when he wasn't ready. I don't know if you saw that game yesterday. His fastball, okay, his fastball was 78 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. He couldn't make a college team with that, and he'd be the first to admit that. And and to put him out there with nothing, I mean, you have to have somebody in the minor leagues. They brought up Ariel Hernandez today to replace him. I mean, why couldn't you bring, brought that kid up uh, two months ago? Give him a chance. It could not have gone worse than it did with Bronson Arroyo. And that was something that just should not have happened, and it's a manager's fault. And... Tampa Bay has just tied the game. <laughs> Lorenzen comes in and gives up a two-run home run. Hung a curveball right in his face.
0: Unbelievable. I, I'm one that actually thinks that Bronson Arroyo was a good experiment. I, you could almost make a, a decent argument, Mark, that he's been their most consistent starter just simply from the standpoint that he's the only guy that went out there every five days.
1: Well, if, that, if that's your measure of why you put somebody in a starting rotation of a major league ball club, then I could go do that. I can walk out there in the mound and throw just about as hard as Bronson Royal. I, I, I don't know how you make that argument that he could, was of any value to this team at all this year, not only does his individual performance – he never went more than five innings. I think he averaged less than five innings because he got knocked out in the third or fourth a couple of times. So th- there's not one statistic you can look at durability or taking eating innings or whatever it is that you're looking for with a guy like that. And the thing is, Bronson is a stand up guy. I mean, he's the one who says, you know, I don't have it and I may not get it back. My arm's killing me and I, I shouldn't be pitching. That's the manager's fault to put him out there. So I I cannot see one iota of value that Bronson Arroyo brought to this team this year other than every time he goes out there, the team gets crushed.
0: He gave a pitcher like Ariel Hernandez an opportunity to learn more at the the minor league level rather than come up and get crushed at the major league level.
1: Well, I I, I don't think he'd get crushed anyway. But there are guys in AAA... That are least statistically by the radar gun alone, you, you'd pick over Bronson Arroyo, and, and and why not? Why not start Lorenzen? I mean, Lorenzen wants to be a starter. He should be a starter. The Reds even said he is going to be a starter eventually. Well, why not start him? And, and you know, give him an opportunity. What do you got to lose?
0: That that's so, one that I agree with you on, and, and I don't I don't agree with the uh, Wojciechowski being DFA'd today. I, I don't agree with that at all. I thought Wojciechowski pitched well for this ball club. He's not a starting pitcher; he's a relief pitcher. When he gets to the second, when he gets around to the second part of the lineup, going through the lineup for the second time, that's when he had his problems. And I think if they would have left him in the bullpen, Mark, I, I think it would have been a different story for him.
1: Well, we can agree to disagree on these things. I mean, I, I just don't see that the Bronson. Brought anything to the team, and in, in a on a forty man roster, there would have been somebody in there that could have done better, because he has the worst ERA in baseball. Mark, so, we said that the last three years about JJ Hoover. Yeah, and J. They J. continually Hoover's threw him out there. Well, I know, but JJ Hoover at least had two two really good years. He was ten and one one year. I think it was two years ago or three years ago. Uh, he got lit up when he, his last year with the Reds, but he's actually having a very, very good year now. I, I forget who he's with, but he's he's on the West Coast. And I saw his numbers, and I was shocked if it was J.J. Hoover. So, you know, relievers come and go. I mean, they, they have great years and they have bad years. But starting pitching uh, is what's killed this team this year, the Reds. And Bailey's supposed to come back in the next week or so. That's going to help. But, yeah I know he had exactly a rehab start
0: help. he had a rehab start about a week or a week and a half ago, didn't he where he he pitched uh uh three innings, didn't give up a run, struck out three
1: he actually he pitched five innings actually at dayton and then he went to uh louisville and he pitched so he, he's gonna have one more outing and i, I think it's either today or tomorrow he's going to pitch and it's uh that'll be then he'- he'll, he'll be brought up to what he does he'll be brought up unless he's hurt again uh but he's uh, he's going to help, let's put it that way. And uh, the, the Reds, you know, it's, it's funny. I was thinking today, you know, Dan Straley, people forget about Dan Straley. He won 14 games last year for this team. Mm-hmm. He had the lowest ERA as a starter, and the Reds traded him. Now, why wouldn't you keep Dan Straley and not Bronson Arroyo? I'd I, I like to understand, I want to understand I don't understand. This was a guy. What they get for Dan Straley? Arroyo was
0: just a free agent signee. What they get for Straley?
1: Uh, I think they got this Hernandez kid that they brought up today, and he, maybe okay. he'll be an all star. I don't know. Uh, the other guy they got that said he's, he's either not playing this year or is injured or something. Uh, so they got very little for. He was a double A pitcher until today. This kid they brought up. I think they got Hernandez for him, uh, but. He was a he he was a proven major league pitcher, fourteen wins last year for a crummy team, and he had an ERA and threes, and, and they trade him. I, I hate to be somebody who picks on the front office, but I wish somebody would just explain that deal because he could have he would have been our number one starter this year. And they traded Dan Straley
0: to Miami for yeah. Luis Castillo. Okay. who's a right-handed okay. pitching prospect, and Austin Bryce, who pitched over this weekend. He came in and yeah, pitched, and I believe Bryce. it was on Saturday.
1: Yeah, he's, he's, had, he's hot and cold. He got lit up the other day, but he's, he's had some good outings, so maybe it'll work out. But when you need starting pitching, and you have a starting pitcher who wins 14 games for you, and you take a chance on two minor leaguers, it just doesn't seem to make sense to me.
0: Well, and another thing was was that Straley, who's 28 years old, finished out the year with two years, 126 days of Major League Service time, meaning that he's going to be controlled by Miami for another four years in arbitration. So the Reds could have controlled him for another four years.
1: Yeah, I mean, those are the kinds of deals that I, I want to scream into the darkness because on, on no level economic player, contribution, whatever. I mean, a 14-game winning starting pitcher, pitcher compared to two minor leaguers makes no sense just on the face of it. And then economically, what you said is a great point. They could control this guy for four more years, had a, had a great starting pitching, even if the other guys come back. You've still got a, an outstanding starting pitcher that can be your number five starter and, and be a very good one.
0: Meanwhile, back to the Indians, they're back in first place in the American League Central Division as they completed a four game sweep of the Minnesota Twins over the weekend. Uh, Friday, Saturday, a doubleheader, they swept both games. They're 36 and 31 now. They're up two games on Minnesota, three and a half over Kansas City, four and a half over Detroit, and five and a half over the Chicago White Sox. And as I said, they've won six in a row they've won five in a row excuse me but they'll win tonight six in a row they're up 11 to nothing right now over the Baltimore Orioles at Camden Yards in the sixth inning of play the Indians have won seven of their last ten and Mark as we talked about last week you know this is as per the usual for the Indians they hover around 500 and then the middle of June comes around and that's when they certainly turn it on and they've done it right now and they'll probably play good baseball through the month of July and into August, maybe hit a couple of slumps during the way, but nonetheless they'll continue to play over 500 baseball every month and, and I expect that this lead in the division will continue to grow.
1: Well, that, that team I think is, is clearly the best team, uh, and, you know, given where the Cubs are right now, I think the Indians have the best roster in baseball. You know, right now I think Kansas City or um, Houston is playing the best baseball. But if I had to bet on it, I, I think the Cleveland Indians are going to win their division by more games than anybody else. Uh, that that is a really good team and, and not a great division right now. So who, who knows what's going to happen? Injuries and the like can 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 happen to anybody. But uh, you know, the Reds. Uh, by the way, the Reds just took the lead back four three. Joey Votto. Uh, single metal drives into the run. Uh, at any rate, uh, the, the Reds uh, aren't going anywhere this year. But I don't see, unless you disagree, the, the Indians and the uh, Cubs make sense for a rematch. The only fly in the ointment actually could be Houston, because I think Houston right now is playing better than Cleveland. But I think yeah, Cleveland's Houston's a forty-six
0: game. and twenty-four right now
1: yeah I mean that's that's amazing this this time of year uh, this far into the season having that kind of winning percentage. They are this year's Cubs of last year. Yeah, but you know that that team you're right and, and a lot of similarities between those two organizations, the way they have gone into the draft and gotten better through the draft. Uh, the Cubs have signed more free agents, but the, the Houston I mean that's a young team, Houston's a young team, an exciting team. And they're getting great pitching. They're getting timely hitting. And that's a fun team to watch. And I, I, I'm looking forward to the playoffs because uh, that's going to be exciting. The Cleveland Indians and, and Houston would be, would be a great matchup.
0: Who's more of a surprise to you, Mark? Houston, Colorado, or Arizona? They've all got over 44 wins so far.
1: I think Arizona. I mean, I think Colorado, to me, they had a good. They've had a good roster for a while. They got Arenado, and they got they got some Gonzalez, They got some really good players. So, them playing to that level doesn't surprise me. I think they they've had a good roster for a number of years. But I, I didn't see Arizona coming. I mean, maybe you did, but I didn't. Uh, I, I thought they'd finish near the end of the at the you know the tail end of the division, and they may yet. But that team's playing pretty good ball in a tough division.
0: You know what surprises me, Mark, when I look at these divisions and I look at at everything, I I don't know how impressed you were with the Dodgers over the weekend, but I know when the Dodgers played the the Indians last week in a three-game series and they won two out of the three against the Indians, I was very impressed with this Dodger team. I, I think they're starting to put this whole thing together. They've got that kid Cody Bellinger and Corey Seager, boy, there's a couple of guys right there that you can really, really build a team around. And they're third baseman, too, and I can't remember his name off the top of my head right now, but he's only 25 years old, Mark. This guy's been in the majors for the last three years. He's only 25 years old, and they've got yeah. some good outfielders. They've, they've got a good team coming there.
1: Yeah, and they have a good farm system, and Cody Bellinger has one of the best swings I've seen in baseball for a while uh a kid's going to hit a lot of home runs and make a lot of money in this game. Uh, I think he hit, hit, he's had hit 20 home runs. And he, he came up in late April. <laughs> so, I mean, he has been smacking the ball and but his swing is so smooth and it it, it he doesn't he doesn't load. It's it, it's very loose. He reminds me of somebody I saw him play yesterday and I can't think of who it is. And I, I I'll think of it eventually, but uh he he has the same kind of swing as a player that I I, I from back in the you know 70s and 80s but at any rate um, yeah that's that's a good organization and that's makes it even more impressive that Arizona is is playing so well in that division with the Giants and the Dodgers
0: yeah I mean that team to me when I look at a team in a national league for some reason that Dodger team scares me more than anybody else in the national league And, and I'm including the Cubs in that mix But that Dodger team, Mark, I don't know what it is. They just seem to be able to pull their fat out of the fire every time they get in trouble. Whether it's Bellinger, whether it's Seager. I mean, they brought Utley. They put Utley back in the the leadoff spot. This guy looks like he's been rejuvenated 10 years. He's playing every day. You've got Yasiel Puig, who's back to pulling the antics that he was three or four years ago, but he's hitting the baseball now and i mean they they've got a team right now pitching hitting i think they're about the one of the most complete teams in baseball right now
1: yeah i agree with you that, that bullpen they've got is devastating too uh, you, you don't want to face them in a in a short series but you know they made the playoffs last year and, and came real close to beating the cubs and so it's going to be an exciting playoffs i mean it's early to be thinking about that but uh, there's there's a lot of good super teams and that makes it exciting because you have teams that have every opportunity to win it. I mean, they're up and down the roster, they're strong. They got speed, good pitching, uh, starting and relieving powers. Everything you need. Defense. Those are really, really good teams, and that's what makes for an outstanding playoff. Like like last year, it was a, it was a great playoff season, and it's probably going to be more the same this year.
0: You know, what gets me about the Indians right now is the fact that everybody is starting to come together. You've got Edwin Encarnacion, their big free agent acquisition during the off season. He's really starting to hit the ball now, Mark. He's got 16, 17 home runs, close to 40 RBIs on the year. But he's got Jose Ramirez right behind him. But Francona's made a little lineup adjustment over the past few games and put Ramirez in front of Encarnacion to give... Ramirez, the opportunity to see better pitches, and he's really taken off. And then he's put Lonnie Chisenhall in the number five spot, right behind Encarnacion, but right in front of Carlos Santana, and they have seemed to click coming off uh, some slumps that they've had earlier this season. Chisenhall's really hitting the heck out of the baseball, and so is Santana. And the fact that Jason Kipnis came back... And they've been able to put him in the leadoff spot, Mark, and move Santana down in the batting order. That seems to have solidified everything in this batting order, just like it did a year ago when they put Santana in the leadoff spot. And that seemed to click for the team last year. This year, of course, a different year. So, boy, when you look at what's happening for the Indians right now, the pitching is starting to come around. The the defense has come around. The bullpen is coming around, and now the hitting is starting to click. This team looks like it may be ready to go off on one of those streaks that they do about every year.
1: Well, I'm jealous. I freely admit <laughs> it. Uh, it's, it's sad when you're a Reds fan the last four years that you get to the all-star break and your season's over. There's nothing to look forward to. The only thing you have are personal achievements of the players. And uh, I, I think that the Reds organization is 100% to blame for this. Other teams fight through it, and you know, they, they have competitive teams, and the Reds just haven't decided to do that. And I, the only thing you can hope for that is in the next two or three years, they're gonna win a World Series, uh, or they're gonna win a couple pennants in a row, National League pennants. Because if they don't, this rebuild has been a waste of time and money, and when I, I went down there, I mean, I saw the the sellout the other day. Of course, it was because of Pete Rose, but that they had a big turnout this weekend. And mm-hmm. you know, it, it's it's really not fair to the fans to put them through this kind of four or five year dearth of talent because either they don't want to spend the money or they have mismanaged money or mismanaged players, over-evaluated players. And that's the thing that scares me most about this team and the organization right now, where they have a lot of guys who simply have not lived up to their press clippings, and you know Robert Stevenson would be a prime example. But they've had a lot of guys come up over the last three or four years that were supposed to be starting players, and the guys didn't last. And then they make decisions like Bronson Arroyo and some other starting pitchers that just haven't haven't panned out, and I. Uh, other organizations don't seem. I mean, the, the Cardinals this year are not having a good year, but it's still an exciting ball club. And it, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens in, in the next two or three years because if the Reds don't win, then this rebuild has been it's really been a farce because that you're telling your fans keep coming out to the ballpark, you know, buying $8 hot dogs and $8 beers and all that stuff, and things will really get better. Well, if they don't, then you you've cheated the fans.
0: Well, you've got a winning ball club in your backyard, the Dayton Dragons.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true.
0: You know, what is it? That's a, they've made the playoffs for the first time now since what about 5 or 6 years?
1: That's right. And uh that's that's an organization that will run and uh the Reds actually have a couple teams that that are going to be in the playoffs in the first half anyway. So that that's that's good to see and uh an interesting thing just happened for the Reds. Uh, Jesse Winker, who was brought up today, just hit a single with runners at second and third and drove in two runs. So really happy to see that. That that kid, uh, he, it's very interesting because the complaint I guess, Jesse Winker is he doesn't have the power. He only had two home runs down in Louisville. Well, that's a big ballpark, number one. But this kid is a good hitter, and I hope he, he doesn't get forced into going for home runs because that's he, he reminds me of Joey Votto when Joey Votto came up everybody said he wouldn't hit for power well guess again he's only hit 40 home runs this year but uh good to see jesse winker get a big hit like that
0: yeah that's what uh delano de shields his manager down with the bats said about him was that uh he was glad to see that winker stayed within himself stayed true to himself and stayed the type of hitter that he is and that when he becomes a major league ball player, which now he is after having just a short stint earlier this year. You know, earlier this year, Mark, what do he have? A short stint of about two games, and he had a game-winning hit in one of those two games that he played in earlier.
1: That's right. He had a double, and he was only only two at-bats. Uh, it was clearly a situation. They didn't want the clock to start running on him, and they had other guys playing well. But, uh, you know, the, the Reds... Um, Now's the time to bring these kids up and find out what they can do. I mean, if it's, I don't know what you do with Jesse Winker next year uh, when you have the outfielders that you have for the Reds. Other than, and I know you won't agree with this, uh, you know Billy Hamilton. Uh, you know if he doesn't perform at the level, he hasn't stolen a base in, in like two or three weeks, and he's not getting on base and he's not hitting for power. He's a great Mark. He went three player. for four yesterday. I know, but he, he he didn't steal a base. They they, they still lost. <laughs> but David, look back over the last ten games. Look, I did. Look look back at the last ten or twenty games, for that matter. He's hitting two forty eight or two forty six. And my my point is, you get a lot of defensive stuff from Billy Hamilton. No no question about that. But are you better off to sacrifice some of the defense and put Shebler in center, where you're going to have a guy hit forty home runs? put Winker in left, we're a guy who probably hit three forty, three fifty someday, and put um, Adam Duvall in right field and bring in Billy Hamilton as a defensive specialist, base stealing specialist, and use him that way. Did you really think a guy with one home run hitting two thirty, two forty all year is gonna help a team like the Reds? Yes. Okay.
0: He makes your pitching better. Absolutely. After the catch I saw that he made yesterday out in left center field where the ball just kept carrying. He, he thought it was just a lazy fly ball out to left center and he got on his jet and went out and caught that thing up against the fence. There's no other center fielder in baseball that would have caught that ball, including so Mike Trout.
1: He, he's helped the, the Reds who have the worst pitching stat in baseball. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's I look at the overall contribution and maybe it's, maybe it's the, the war number i'm trying to seek here uh i don't think billy hamilton helps the team as much as another player could help the team can he be a valuable tool for a team of course he can he can come in in seventh eighth inning steal a couple of bases for you play great defense start him occasionally but i would not play him every day with that hole in his bat
0: well the one question that i've got is what are the reds going to do with the shortstop position, that's the big question. That, what are they going to that, do there?
1: That, that's a real big question because you, you, the the last three signings, that the Cuban kid, and the, the first, uh, they they've signed three shortstops, and they're not all going to be able to play shortstop. But I know what you're getting at with regard to Zach Cozart. Uh, and Paraza. he's on the DL. Well, and, and you know, Dave, I've seen Peraza play now. Shortstop half a year, and, and that's not a good test for him. He played a little bit last year. he He is a average at best shortstop. Mm-hmm. and to, you know today he made an error uh, on a play that uh, Cozart would have eaten up easily. Uh, he He doesn't not have the defense that I wish the Reds had at shortstop. Now maybe these other kids do, uh, but I, I see him as a second baseman, not not a shortstop. But and he may have to play shortstop this year if they trade Cozart. But the big question that you're getting at is, what do the Reds do with Cozart at the trade deadline? It's likely he's going to be an All Star this year. Uh, his value is never going to be better than it is right now. And you know the, the question, and, and I doubt you're going to get a lot for him.
0: Well, I'll tell you another question that brings brings to mind: What are they going to do at third base next year? Because that kid that they've got, that they drafted, he's going to be ready for major leagues next year. Whether or not they want to put him up there, who knows, but he'll be ready. And then what do you do with Suarez?
1: Well, that's a very good question because they asked that tonight, actually on the broadcast before we got on the air here. Uh, And they were talking about the fact that they could move Suarez back to shortstop and put Zinzel Zinzel at, at third base. That kid... Uh, I've seen him play now. I don't know a half a dozen times. I, I saw him on the internet the other night. They had, I think, thirty or forty of his bats. That kid's going to be a, a three hundred hitter. He reminds me of Paul Molotar. Remember him? Mm-hmm. Uh, really great hitter. He looks like that kind of compact, short swing, powerful. He, he'll hit you fifteen, twenty home runs, and maybe even a Scott Rowland type guy. He's going to fill out. He is going to be a great player for the Reds. If not great player, he's going to be an above average player. So you put him at third for the next ten years, and then you've got all these shortstops coming up. <laughs> that is good because a lot of shortstops can move to other positions because they're they're typically the best athletes on the field. So you're right. That shortstop conundrum is actually a good problem because you've got some good athletes, and this kid they signed, uh, six foot three inch. 190-pound shortstop, and he's only 19 years old. Uh, I, I can't wait to see him play. So the, the Reds have some interesting talent, and if they if they live up to expectations, things should be fine in a couple of years.
0: Mark, were you surprised to see Dave Bristol this weekend at the the Reds celebration for Pete? I mean, I wasn't surprised you know, to see him. I just I guess I didn't know he was still alive.
1: Dave, you took the words out of my mouth. I thought he was dead. And I don't mean that sarcastically or in a cruel way. I've not heard his name mentioned for so long. And talk about a guy who just missed being a Hall of Famer. Just missed it. Mm-hmm. If he'd, if he, if he'd uh, hung in till 1970, he got fired in '69, and they brought in Sparky Anderson, anybody could have won with that team in 1970. That was the best team in baseball by a long shot. Dave Bristol would have won. He would have... With the Reds for a number of years, he probably would have been in the Hall of Fame. So, it, you what? know, right time, wrong place.
0: Didn't you think that Dave Bristol looked younger yesterday than Sparky did when he first took the job in '70?
1: <laughs> That's a good point. I mean, I remember the first time I saw Sparky, and I thought the guy must have been eighty. I mean, he, he looked old. He was—he was only like forty when he came yeah. up for the Reds he had been he played for the Phillies, and I, I I had his baseball card. I remember that, but I mean nobody knew who Sparky Anderson was, uh, but poor Dave Bristol had he stayed on one more year had, had the sixty nine Reds played better, he would have he would have been rehired, and that guy would have been in the Hall of Fame and we would have never probably heard of sparky anderson
0: no and and we probably wouldn't have you know and and but Dave Bristol for his own account. He was not a bad manager. His managerial days did not end, if I remember correctly, with the Reds. I think he went on and managed two or three years with the Milwaukee Brewers, didn't he?
1: You're you're right, he did. And he was very well respected in baseball. He really was. He was a a good baseball man. And everybody thought he was, you know, unfortunately, he was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. And uh, if he'd have won ten more games that year, he probably would have been with the Reds in 1970 and been part of the greatest team in Reds history.
0: You know, I got a kick out of something that Pete said during his uh, speech. I know he made two of them, one outside, one inside Great American Ballpark on Saturday. But the one thing that he said was he he played with a lot of great players, greatest ever. He mentioned Johnny Bench. He mentioned Joe Morgan. Tony Perez, the greatest Cuban first baseman in the history of baseball. He may not be off the mark. So much about those three. But I loved what he had to say about Ken Griffey, and that he would love to say that Ken Griffey was the best ball player to ever come out of Denora, Pennsylvania, but his son and Stan Musial came out of the same town.
1: <laughs> that's right. That's, that's hard to imagine. Denora, Pennsylvania, Stan Musial, and Ken Griffey, uh, unbelievable. <laughs> it's well,
0: and, and, and let's look here in Cincinnati. Moeller High School, which won, went to the state championship game for the Ohio State High School baseball championship three years in a row, back 12, 13, 14, they had two players, Mark, that played with Kentucky be drafted. Ryan Maley was one of them uh, here in this last draft, and I don't know who the other one is, but they both played for Kentucky, and they both got drafted uh, during this last
1: draft. That's interesting. before we get off tonight, um, I do want to address one of our fans, uh, Jeff Lowry, down in Arizona, who we're going to be doing some games with this year before it's over, uh, broadcasting some games. Jeff Lowry uh, took exception to something I said a couple weeks ago. Now, I, I want to be able to defend myself.
0: Imagine uh, that.
1: I said, uh, yeah, uh, I said that Joey Votto would end up being the greatest hitter in Reds history, and he did not like that. Uh, he's a big fan of Frank Robinson, like I am, and Vader Pinson, and Johnny Bench, go up and down the list. But you look at the numbers, and I'll stick by my statement. By the time Joey Votto retires, he is going to have every record except hits. Uh, he'll have probably the highest batting average in the history of the Reds, a uh, lifetime batting average. He'll probably have more home runs than anybody, more RBIs than anybody, uh, and uh, just one of the great hitters of all time, and we've got him here on a very, very bad team. So, Jeff, I'm not going to back down from my prediction that Joey votto has got another 10 years to play with the Reds, and I think he's going to put up some silly numbers, and uh, we'll see what happens in 10 years. But if I'm right, I expect dinner at Don and Charlie's in, Phoenix, uh, in 10 years.
0: Well, I'll tell you right now, I, I think both of you are wrong. I still think Pete's the best hitter in Reds history.
1: Now he, he, there's there's no aside from the number of hits, there's no statistic that that defends that. He his lifetime batting average is three oh three. Joey Votto's lifetime batting average is going to be probably ten, twelve, fifteen points higher than that. Uh, but you mentioned the most a... important stat earlier.
0: Joey what? Votto is never going to go ten consecutive seasons with two hundred or more hits.
1: No, but that's not his that's not his role. He he's driven in a hundred runs several years. Pete never did that. He said thirty-five home runs several years. He's and Pete never came close to that. Uh, he, he's a different kind of hitter, yes. but despite the power he's got, he has his he has a higher batting average, but a lot more power. I mean, he's a combination that makes him, I think, one of the unique hitters in baseball history, and certainly one of, the, if not the best hitter. Tell me who's better, and, and give me the numbers to back it up because I, I think Votto. Uh, the, the Reds are in for a treat because he, he says he's not going to uh, approve uh, a trade. So he may be around here for a long time, and he's going to put up some stupid numbers before he's done.
0: Well, I think I I want to see him stick around here for a while, just mainly because I'd like to see him buy Zach Cozart the donkey. <laughs> That's right. You heard that story, right? <laughs> I did, yes. <laughs> yeah. Zach Cozart makes the All-Star team. Joey Votto is going to buy him a donkey.
1: Which does not have Zach
0: Cozart's wife very happy
1: <laughs> well it's uh when you don't have anything to root for for your team, like winning a division or winning a pennant, uh, all you really have to look forward to is their the individual accomplishments and I envy you the Cleveland Indians this year and really the last few years and the thing I like about the Indians is it looks like they're going to be around for a while that that's a that, that's a great organization over there right now, and uh you know. Congratulations! I I wish I, I wish I was an Indians fan.
0: Well, we'll see what happens. I mean, right now, what's happening between the Reds and and Tampa Bay? Right now, Mark,
1: Uh, the Reds are back ahead six to three, uh, in going into the top of the ninth inning. So, uh, Rafael Iglesias, my former tenant in my condo, uh, is uh, coming on to pitch.
0: And what is going on for the Reds the rest of this week,
1: Dave? I'm afraid to look. because no matter who they play, they're losing to. I know they they're <laughs> Tampa Bay this week. I think they have Chicago coming up this weekend. Uh, but no, they've uh, got they Washington leave. this week. They've Washington. got Thursday oh, off for oh
0: Washington. They'll be oh, at the National's <laughs> Park.
1: <laughs> That's yeah. Strasburg at all. Uh, yeah, that that should yeah. work out well. Uh,
0: and as far as anyway, the Indians are the Indians? concerned, they've got Baltimore coming up. Not only tonight, which they're leading eleven to nothing right now behind Corey Kluber, but then they've got them. Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday night. And then they bring in the Minnesota Twins to progressive field for this weekend, Friday, Saturday afternoon, and Sunday afternoon. We'll talk more about it next Monday night, Mark. Talk to you then.
1: All right, Dave. Have a good
0: one. That's going to do it for our show this evening. Thank you for joining us here tonight on UltimateSportsTalk.com. As I said, don't forget, Mark and I will be back on the air next Monday, night at 9 o'clock, to talk more about the Cleveland Indians And the Cincinnati Reds on the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. Until then, for Mark Donahue, I'm Dave Mitchell. Thanks a lot for joining us tonight. Have a good night everybody.